for tuning in to another broadcast of the Hush No More podcast. And today I am so thrilled, I'm so excited to bring in two very special young women who have been pioneers in their sport in track and field. And I'm excited to just run down just a few of their accomplishments as I introduce them today. Um, Today, we are going to be talking to Serena Adogo, Elise Williams, Ameriqua. (laughs) And I can't wait to to bring her in because her name is so long and (laughs) it's so many things that we can go, that I would love to discuss with her uh, just regarding her name. Um, But yes, Serena, Williams Ameriqua is on the show today, but this is the Serena with who ran for USA track and field. She also ran for the University of California, Davis. UC at UC Davis, she ran in the 60 meter hurdle. And let me tell you, school record holder, she owns that. She also owns the record at UC Davis in the 100 meter hurdle, school record holder. I gotta say it again. I'm gonna keep saying it. I don't care how many. T- I, you can never because hey, it's been years later, it's and she years. still owns the record book. So <laughs> hey, we are gonna keep saying it because it's true. This woman is also a wonderful mother. She is also a wife. She's a mentor. She's a career woman. She's just got it going on. Let's welcome to the show, Serena Adugo, Elise Williams, Ameriqua. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think oh I need to have you intro me in like every room that I go in, like moving forward, like just that, like that, you know? <laughs> that's what's up. You know, I'm the hype woman, but I get extra hype when I know that it's real. Smoking <laughs> from the heart. I'm, sp- I'm speaking from truth. And so there you have it. It's all love and you know it. And and I just can't wait to talk with you today. But our other special guest is the woman by the name of Kenyana Wilson Flowers. She is from uh, Linwood, California. She was raised in Glendale, Arizona. She ended up running for USA track and field. She also ran for the Louisiana State University, LSU. Yes, 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 that purple. I know you got that purple in the back and the tiger in the back. We're going to get into it. 
Uh, she is also uh, the world junior gold medalist in the four by 100. In the Pan American Junior Games, she also received another gold medalist. She's also another gold medalist in the four by 100. At the NACAC, she received a gold medal in the four by 100, where she also is the record holder. She is a bronze medalist in the 100 meters. At the Pan American Games, she received the silver medal in the four by 100. D1 NCAA 100 meter and four by 100 meter champion, SEC champion 100 meter and four by 100 meter. And just to throw a cherry on top, you're listening to the eight time All American in the 60 meter, 100 meter, four by 100 meter race in track and field. I am bringing to the Hush No More podcast no one other than the Kenyana Wilson Flowers. How you doing, Kenyana? Let's get ready to rumble. First of all, first of all, I can't even go any further without. Let's talk about your names, okay? Um, Serena, I particularly want to talk about your name because I know <laughs> I can't even imagine some of the all the stories you could tell. But what does people say to you, uh, especially you know before the Marquois was thrown on there when they realized your name was Serena Williams? What do you say to them? Just curious. <laughs> Listen. You know, I love the fact that I have a famous name. I think it's a great icebreaker. Um, and, you know, I utilize that, especially at the checkout, you know, kiosk when they'd be like, oh, can I see your cash or debit? You know, back in the day when you would hand someone like your card and they'd swipe it for you. <laughs> then you have to show your license and they'd match it. Um, they'd always look and they'd be like, huh. This name seems familiar. Um, and then for some people that would ask, I loved because it gave me the opportunity to show my personality and like yes. lighter. And then for the ones that didn't ask, I could always tell they wanted to. So I'd always, I would always just say, yes, my name is famous. Um, but, I, you know, I, I embraced it full, full steam. Like, Well, Serena Williams is a champion in her sport <laughs> at tennis. And you're a champion in your sport, track yeah. and field. Yeah. We're allowed to have do a little bit of black girl magic sometimes. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes, you know, uh we're 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 gifted in many areas. Okay. So, let's talk about your days growing up in Fresno, California. I want to hear a little bit about just just let the people know who you are, a little bit about your upbringing. How would you narrate that? Ooh, my upbringing in Fresno, California. So Fresno, like it has like this running joke, I guess you could say it's like the armpit of California because you drive through, it's a bunch of farmland. Um, so it smells like cows. You see a lot of oranges. <laughs> and I love that about Fresno because our slogan, it's the biggest little town in the world. And I think it holds true to that. You know, like we're in the middle of California. We're about two to three hours away. Not two. Um, three to four hours away from LA, two to three hours away from Sacramento, two to three hours from the Bay Area. So, you know, we get all of those cultures here in Fresno. 
Um, and we're farmland, so we are all essentially farmers out here. I grew up on a farm um, and I loved it. You know, I spent most of my days running through orchards uh, away from dogs that weren't ours, <laughs> running past or, or playing by the ditch when I shouldn't have been over there. So I had a an amazing time here. And you know, to so are you are you telling us that's how you began your career? Oh yeah, <laughs> most definitely. By running away from dogs, <laughs> you know. When, you know, when you live the country life, you do a lot of in interesting things and you, you pick up a lot of skill sets that are transferable into other aspects of your life. So you can, you can say that, you know, it started out in the fields, running away from chickens, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I grew up on a farm here and I, I loved it. You know, Yana, I don't have a clue how you're going to top that. That she began her tra track and field career running away from dogs and chickens on the farm in Fresno. But we got to hear a little bit about your upbringing, upbringing in Linwood, California. And talk to us as well. How did you end up moving to Glendale, Arizona? Well, I'm definitely a city girl, all concrete. So I have no connection to the farm life. Um, my parents grew up in L.A., um, you know, during the 80s, L.A. was a pretty rough place. Uh, so they had me young and they just decided that they wanted a better opportunity for me and my siblings. So we moved to well, we moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where my grandmother and my rest of my family were. And yeah, so we started our life in Arizona. And when I was about six, I realized I was faster than everyone else because I was the first one to make it to the tetherball court. I wanted to be the first one. I wanted to have dibs on the water fountain. I know we said like shared water fountains back in the day. Um, so yeah, that was my introduction to realizing that I had some speed and I had a really large family base in Arizona. And so we were just living desert life. <laughs> Let me tell you, I guarantee there's not a person in the world <laughs> that could ever call dibs on the fact that you knew you were fast and was going to have a career when you was calling dibs on tether, on, at the tetherball uh, pole. So <laughs> this is this is fascinating. You stay on the court and when you lose, you have to move on. So like, I'm gonna play all recess. I'm gonna stay right here, <laughs> get it. <laughs> and I'm gonna beat everybody there. Yes, exactly. All right, let's take a quick moment uh, to, to go to our producer. She's got a link that she wants to show. So today my sister recorded my practice because she wanted to, yeah. And uh, I talked to my coach about how I felt about it as well. Uh, now I'm headed to the weight room to lift weights uh, and to the, what is it called? Physical training room, medical room, whatever, to roll out an ice. But today was a successful hurdle practice. I got my lee leg down, which is a first. I mean, it's a really good thing, improvement. Uh, messed up some other stuff, but whatever. I did something right today. Uh, every time you do something good, it seems like something else always messes up. So it's just the way of life. It's not fair. It never will be. But yeah, check out my practice. Let's check it out. <laughs> 
So this was my favorite practice, <laughs> like that drill. And why is that? Because uh, it forces you to develop speed between after hurdle four. Um, after oh, so the speed is not the initial burst, but after hurdle four. Oh no, the speed is at the We're initial burst. On, you uh, just move faster uh, <laughs> going yeah, through the race <laughs> when it comes so, to hurdles. And she was getting her. Uh, but up under her, which caused her to get the lead leg down a little faster. And basically, she looked pretty good overall. Um, when Ron looked at the video, uh, look at the start. Uh, the first seven, first six steps, uh, especially on the first step. I want to see if that, what you think about her, uh, her leg, back leg coming out. Um, I thought it looked pretty decent, uh, but give me your input on that when you get a chance, okay? About <laughs> 70 degrees out here. It's January. <laughs> Wish you were here. My <laughs> <laughs> coach Wes, he's amazing. <laughs> okay, Serena, you got to talk to us about that video. What's up with that? Yeah, so I mean, that was a typical day for us. Like me and my coach out there doing stuff, recording videos, sending it back to my other coach, Ron Sheffield, which is He's pretty well known within the U.S. soccer track and field system. So, you know, that that was my perspective on training. You know, I do something good. Something else is bound to go wrong because it's growth. You're growing and you have to take the the wins with the losses and keep moving forward. You can't let that deter you from your goals. So I was I watching the video and the word that, that just kept coming to mind was just discipline. Like it has to be a tremendous amount of discipline to get in the block a certain type of way, to burst out in speed a certain type of way, to count your steps, to, I mean, to walk us down because I'm not the expert, but you are. <laughs> talk, talk to us, like, how does that go? Uh, uh, yeah, you know, uh, hurdles, you do have to be extremely disciplined because you're literally running full speed at an object. Um, and your goal is to walk over that object. Uh, it's it's to look as if the hurdle's not even there. If you're if you're watching, let's say we put a piece of paper up where you only see my top half, it should look like my head should look like it's still and there's no hurdles in the way. So I'm still going, but you can't see that my hand's still going. <laughs> um, and that that's hurdling, and that's uh, you know it's it's a tr a tremendously disciplined sport because. You have to understand your steps. You have to understand your cadence. You have to be prepared for when you do run faster in those middle hurdles because it, it, it you might be going like this and then you start going like this. And then, you know, if you haven't practiced those hurdles coming up that fast, you, you might clip it and you, you might either stumble across the finish line or you might fall. Um, have, did you Did you ever fall in your career? Yeah, the one time I fell in my career, I tore my Achilles. So. Oh. <laughs> and it's because Ooh. I burst out of the hurdles, or sorry, out of the blocks faster than I think I've ever done in my life. Um, and I also changed my shoes. I mainly think it's because I changed my shoes. And oh. I should have done that. Um, but I was excited. I got some new shoes. I was like, ooh, this other girl's here that runs faster than me. So if I'm able to match her cadence and hurdles, then I know I'll break a 13. And there is just the culmination of all these positive things that happened that I just got, I think I just got too excited. 
Um, and my body wasn't ready for that. I was like, nope. So the one time I fell, unfortunately, I tore my Achilles. Wow. <laughs> well, and Kenyatta, for you, uh, you ran a lot of like 100 meters. The four, yes. four by 100 is still 100 meters. So I just have a real quick question before we get into to your craft. Uh, did you ever consider running hurdles yourself? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> so there's some events I feel like you have to be called for, um, field events and hurdles, because it literally takes an incredible amount of focus and discipline, as Serena spoke to. And I was just always too fast to control my speed to handle any obstacles. So it was like trying to have like those methodical first six steps, seven steps. I would push up on every hurdle and it would be a just a catastrophe. So no. <laughs> that is so interesting. <laughs> so you know what? Let's take a look at the speed that Kenyatta had when she was running in her prime. Let's take a look. In the middle lane. The middle lane? Oh, wow. So, so as, as they say, some people come to play, others come to slay. <laughs> Looked like somebody came to slay that day. Absolutely. Um, I remember that meet like it was yesterday. It was a last chance qualifier for indoor nationals. And for indoors, they only take, you have an automatic time. When you hit this time, you're like automatically into the meet. But outside of that, at that point, it was top 16. And the times that I had run that season bubble, I was like 15, 17. But everyone else around the country, they were also competing that weekend. So if somebody would have run 0.01 faster, it could have pushed me out of the top 16. So I was like, okay. We're at our home meet, which is usually not as hype, but I was like, okay, let's, what can we do? Where, how can we get it done? And I just like tried to really focus in and ended up with an auto qualifier in that race. So it's so funny. It's so old. It looks pretty pixelated <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Girl, you, know, you that, were fast. You were fast. So uh, when did you know that you were, you were beyond? what was normal in speed? Um, well, outside of the getting to the, the lunchroom first and getting to tetherball first, when I was introduced to track and field, like more structured track and field, I was pretty old. I was about 12 or 13. Um, the team that I joined, most of them had run tracks since they were five or six. So they already had all the accolades and all of the experiences. And I just came with just pure speed and a really, really rough attitude. Like, I don't wanna be in the stands. I wanna travel. I want to do these things. So um, I remember my very first day at an organized practice, I ran my efforts way too fast. We had like eight intervals of 200 meters. And I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm blasting like Sonic the Hedgehog, the first two or three reps, not <laughs> understanding that it's like a rhythm to training, but, in those reps, just my distance, the response that I got from my teammates, I was like, okay, even though I I was on the ground, I was hurting, but 
it really showed me like, okay, you can compete. You have impressive speed. What is it about the way that you get out, your start of your race that can separate you from the pack? What can you get stronger in? So like literally that first day of like dying at practice really showed me like, you do have some promise because parents in the stands was like, oh girl, you got it, but you need to slow down in the beginning. <laughs> I want to talk about your universities. Uh, Serena, you chose the University of California, Davis. I just want you to walk us down and just tell us how you came to that university and just briefly tell us about your experience there. Yeah, so um, growing up, I always wanted to be a veterinarian and UC Davis had one of the top veterinary programs. Um, and so it was kind of like pretty straightforward for me that that was my choice, my school of choice. Uh, then towards the end of my high school career, I started getting recruited for track and field. Um, UC Davis, had, I got in academically and all those were good. And then my mom reached out to the coach at the time and was like, hey, my daughter runs hurdles. Would you be interested in possibly offering her a scholarship? She mm -hmm. let me know if I ran a 14-16 that she'd give me partial scholarship. Um, so there was one meet left in outside of the high school season, just one track, one track meet left. I remember we drove, we drove to it. I want to say it was in Sacramento. I ran a 14-16. I called her. I said, hey, I ran my 14-16. And she was like, sounds like you've got a scholarship. So wow. it was really cool for me. Yeah, because, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was going there for school. Um, and then the fact that my mom reached out, you know, like, hey, she runs track. Any interest? Maybe if she runs this time. <laughs> and I did that. So uh, I landed on Davis because it's an ag school. And like I said, I grew up on a farm. So that's amazing. Nice and easy for me. <laughs> That's amazing. And so uh, one of the things I really want to highlight is the fact that you ended up having this great career uh, at UC Davis. Um, and you also ran for USA track and field. Can you explain to viewers who don't really understand how that works, how it works? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like Kenyatta would be better answer, better suited for this question, but I'll go ahead and take my stab at it. So, you know, uh, college athletics is a little different from running professional athletics because with your college system, you know, you've, you've got your scholarship, you got your coach, you got your athletic training facilities. Um, you have this huge support system around you that, you know, that facilitates kind of helps you facilitate your greatness like it helps you hone in on your skill set you have all the resources that you need uh, once you graduate college you have to source all of that for yourself so you have to find your coach you have to find your athletic trainer you have to find your agent because now you have to figure out what meets you can get into um, you are your own nutritionist so hopefully during college you paid attention to, to those <laughs> nutrition classes that they had you go to um, you are your own you know mental health coach if you have access to that in college so I'd say the main difference is you go from having a system that's there for you to then learning how to create your own ecosystem to help you to continue to facilitate your professional career post-college. So Kenyana, she said you could also piggyback on that. What would you say to that conversation? What could you add? Definitely the transition between collegiate athletics and going professional in USA track and field is pretty rough. Um, and not all, not everyone has the same stories. Like, you know, you have some people that come out of college and have like 
you know, sponsors and funding and things like that. So they kind of have an easier path to success. Um, for a lot of us, it's really dependent on your success at those uh, championship meets. So you would go to USA Track and Field Nationals. Um, but even before you get there, make sure that you have the resource need. Make sure that you have um, everything from nutritionist to massage therapist. That you really have to go through if you don't have a strong support system in that transition. And hopefully you can get to a USA meet and place top four, top eight, and qualify for those national teams so you can get more support from USA Track and Field. Um, they have sponsorships, they have grants that they will give you um, to help cover some of those expenses. But you have to be in love with what you do in order to be successful at the next level because it is very tough. So let's talk about that next level. And let's talk about the part where things get tough. And so you get to the next level. And this is something you've been dreaming about since you was running past the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> you've been dreaming of these moments all your life. And now you're there. And you, quote, unquote, you make it to the big stage. Let's talk about the difficulties that you face. What were some of the, the hardest things, some of the hardest challenges that you had to deal with at the highest level of your, yeah. of your sport? Um, I would say, you know, I came in with a little different perspective. So becoming a professional athlete for track and field, this was my second attempt at it. So my first attempt, I actually was a gymnast growing up. I went all the way back then. It was level 10 before you go to the start training for the Olympics. Um, so I made it all the way to level 10 in gymnastics. I started training to be an Olympic athlete, uh, Olympic gymnast to be more specific. Nickname was Baby Dawes. Um, and I tore some ligaments in my back. So I had a real conversation with my doctor at the time who shared, you can continue to train and become an Olympian, uh, Olympic gymnast, or you can stop and be a normal kid. I think I was like mm, 10, 11 around this time. Um, so my perspective on sports from that point was, I'm just going to have fun because it doesn't matter what I do. I, I know I can be a pro athlete. I know I can be elite. I've already done this. I'm age 10. Um, so then after my gymnastics career ended, I did every single sport under the sun. <laughs> uh, my mom's passion was track and field, which is why I pursued track and field because she also could have gone pro in track and field. But at that time during that era, she was just like, your grandfather was not going to let me fly around with my coach yes. <laughs> uh, all over the world. And I was like, you know what, I, I respect. Um, and she had me. So I picked up the torch where she left off and decided to go on this journey to professional, uh, to become a professional track and field athlete. So I had a lot of fun pursuing my track and field career because I, I looked at it as just being grateful to have the opportunity to even say like, I've ran amongst the greats. Yes. I can pick up the phone and call a few of them and be like, hey, I'm gonna do a track camp. Would you show up to this? Like, you know, so my perspective on track and field, though it was rough, you know, financially having two jobs essentially to fund that career, the it, it outweighed the benefits that I received from actually pursuing my career. So I wouldn't necessarily oh, go ahead. Well, I really want to, uh, because one thing I will mention now is that uh, Serena is a mom, wonderful mom, wife, 
career woman. And so with that brings the fact that she has other things that sometimes she must go do. So she's down to just a few more moments, minutes on the show. So I really want to talk about what happened in your transition. When track and field came to completion for you, mm-hmm. how did you know? Uh, well, you know, I tore my Achilles, so <laughs> it wasn't much. Uh, so that was a career ending injury. Yes, it was career ending. You know, it was right at the age where I was starting to think like, okay, well, if I make an Olympic team at this point in time, this is before I tore my Achilles. So I started having these thoughts maybe a few months ahead of time. Um, if I break the 13 and I start running consistent 12 eights and 12 sevens, how likely is it that I will have, I will get married and I will have a family? Um, I think I'm 20, 27, 27 or 28 at the time. Um, so you're right at the point where you do start, you, you know, as a woman, like you're getting married, you're starting to think about having kids and stuff. Um, and I knew that if I ran those consistent times, I probably wouldn't start a family until today um, because I know the longevity and career I could have if I was running those times. So part of it, I think I, I tore my Achilles because one, I, I was having this internal battle with myself. Like, do you pr- pursue, do you have enough strength to pursue and stop? Um, or do you not have enough strength to pursue and, or, or do you not have basically, yeah. Do you have enough strength to get your goal and stop? Um, and at that time I didn't think I had enough, or I guess I was trying to figure out if I had enough strength to do that. And then my body just told me for me. So <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. you're done. you've achieved everything you wanted to achieve in life. Let's go ahead and start that transition onto family life. Um, so and did I, you get to accept this pretty quick or did. did you have your days that you, you know, because one of the things that, you know, I bring shine light on and bring awareness to is the difficulties. Like I keep it real. Like I know how much I cry, whether I wanted to end my career or not, or I had to end my career. Um, the, what's the reality set in that there was no more going back into a, a gym. Uh, there was not going to be any more performing um, in front of live audiences on the court. Um, I had it was, it was heartbreaking. I had my days. What about you? Yeah, I definitely had my days where I was just like, you were almost there. Like if all it was, all, it's always, if only, like, if only you would have finished that race, like then you would have known for sure. Like, okay, yes, I'm going to pursue this. I have enough strength to stop when I hit every single goal, even the ones that I didn't think I was going to hit. Um, So I did feel like something was taken away from me, but I also knew in my mind that I wanted to run master's track and field. So I looked at it more so from the perspective of like, okay, in your 20s, you're not going to make an Olympic team. But maybe when you're 55, like (laughs) you might be out there and running master's track and field. So it it was like, you know, the clip onto I I won something that day because I was super excited. I got on the line. I got out. Like, I don't, I got out so fast and I fell so fast that everyone in my heat stopped. That never happens in a track and field. Yeah. Like, you keep going. Everyone stopped because I think everyone was just like, what the heck happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I, I have my days where I'm like, man, I wonder what would have happened. But for the most part, like, I'm a run master's track and field. So, <laughs> I, I'll loop back around on, on making a team. You know, I'm going to get so- that. <laughs> you're a mom. You're a mom. 
what lessons do you think you will teach your kids according to the experiences that you've had? Um, discipline, most definitely. Uh, you know, understanding that, you know, every loss is a win if you have the right. I love that. Um, and I think, you know, just being consistent and honest to who I am and where I'm at in the moment with them is, is the best lesson, lesson I think I can teach my kids. Um, and I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job at that with, you know, me and my husband, two high level athletes having kids, you know, we're on it. And I think we're doing an amazing job. So <laughs> you are. You yeah. are, you are, and you know we so appreciate we're doing the hand clap for you. I know. Uh, you. I appreciate having you on today. I could go on and on and on because your life is so fascinating. Um, but I know you got things to do, so uh, you can bow out. But I appreciate you coming on to the show, uh, even with the tight schedule that you had. Thank you, and I appreciate you having me on, and you know, just giving me a platform to share my story. Thank you. Thank you. Kenyatta. <laughs> let's let's take a look at that second link. Before we get started again. girls the hundreds of girls we've talked to over the past couple weeks if i could just have one you know in five years just say hey i remember when i was 16 and some girls from the u.s even if they don't remember my name if i can just move something inside them it's worth it because she'll be able to inspire the next one and the next one so talk to me about that what did we just well, what, did, um, what did we just view in 2017, I was selected by the U.S. Department of State to go over to Uganda to participate in an envoy program of, to inspire and em empower girls through sports. Um, the particular areas of Uganda that we went to visit, um, these were some villages where girls didn't have shoes, proper sports bras. Um, and the, the real big issue was a lot of them were being forced into uh, being child brides, uh, um, you know, just not having a voice at all in that community. So um, the U.S. Department of State selects um, envoys to go over and participate and basically empower girls through sport, but also mm -hmm. teach about self-confidence, uh, how to defend yourself, um, give them introduction to track and field and just let them know just because, you know, your mom or your aunt or sisters, you know, decided to start families or, you know, we're into these type of life, like you do have a chance, you do have a choice as to how you want to live your life. So um, we spent a couple of weeks over in Uganda traveling around. It was hundreds of girls that we went to visit. And it was just such a humbling experience to go over there and, and spend time with those girls. Wow. A chance, a chance of a lifetime and a chance that was only brought to you by your track and field success in the U.S. Yes. And so when we look at the fact that you were an eight-time All-American, I mean, I still, I'm still trying to put my, 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 my brain around that. An eight-time All-American, 
and you had all of this success and we'll get into the you know what happened in the aftermath when it was over but this was you been able to use your platform and do something for the greater good yes it it definitely brought everything full circle i know for me personally sports really changed my life i had so many friends and homegirls from growing up that really had no direction and when i got connected to sports it really gave me that structure gave me something productive to do you know punch my ticket to college punch my ticket to travel the world and just to have the opportunity to talk to these girls and just let them know you know there's a world that's out there outside of your village and just to hear their stories and just to share my experiences yeah. it really was something yeah. that was incredible well let's talk about that ticket you punched to college okay. you chose lsu one yeah. you know lsu they're hot right now I, I have to be honest even though i'm a boilermaker and a hilltopper for life I got to be honest, everybody's talking about LSU for many sports. Uh, what brought you there? So when I was in high school, as I said, I was a late bloomer when it came to sports. My parents put me in pretty late and I had to kick and scream to get involved in track. But um, when I was in high school, LSU was just it. I mean, national champions individually as a team, they just had this like that I thought was just so endearing for someone like myself. Um, and when I did all of my visits, I went around to the different colleges and some colleges were just incredible. And I was like, oh, this is this is home. And you know, when when you're getting recruited, they treat you, oh, this is Kenyana, she's a stud. And when I went to LSU, in in so many words, I don't I wanna say the girls just they just weren't very impressed. It was like I immediately came in and they were like, hi recruit. And it was like, hi. And I knew oh. that I just kind of like I knew if I go to LSU, nothing will be given to me. Nothing will be handed to me at all. Every single thing that I get, I'm gonna have to claw and like fight for. And I knew that going into the SEC, that any kind of bumps and bruises that I got my freshman year would only make me stronger for years to follow. And I just like ready for the challenge. I was like, I love it here. I'm not scared of y'all. And like they kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they brought I'm me about to go like, there. Hey, I'm definitely about me. to go there. Tigers, because you come in as a rookie, you're coming yes. in as a high school All American. They yes. read the articles. They've heard from their coaches how we got to get this this recruit, and then you arrive. And they're looking at you like, uh, I know she doesn't think that she's here to replace me. And so mm -hmm. I know you had to deal with attitude. And this is the and part of sports that I feel like parents who <laughs> don't have a child that's played or they, um, uh, they, they, they get a little green because it's just like, you know what, in sports, competition is real, which yeah. means that I'm sure you had teammates that talk trash to you to try to get in your head, play maybe even some mind games. Can you give us a story or two? Well, I can't necessarily say Maybe not games, teammate, um, but the competition. Let's do that. Okay, yes. So, you know, with LSU, just having a history of success and having a history of just dominance, 
when we step out, we are one unified, strong unit. Like we may not be best friends. We may not hang out every day, but when we step out on that track, I expect you to be flawless. Don't embarrass me. Like don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass the program. Wow. Um, we did have a school. I'm not going to name any schools because I'm not giving no shine, but <laughs> there was a school that their coach had been a successful coach at LSU for years and years. And now they had went on to another school. So of course, you know, he's bringing that same, you know, tiger energy to this new school. So it just like built up this animosity between our school and their school. So, I mean, every, I don't care if it's like a little spring break meet, I don't care if it's a nationals or a conference meet, our number one goal was to just like demolish this team. And like, I pretty much ran all my fastest times when they were in the races near us because we all are fighting to be all Americans. There's only eight in each event, top eight, that's it. We all wanna be all Americans. We all wanna be national champions and we all wanna bring a title back to our school. So it's like, every dog has his day, but we tried to make sure that it was always ours. <laughs> Yeah, I know that's right. But the competition, I'm sure there's so many lessons that you've learned from those days that help you in today. So uh, would you give us one or two of those? Absolutely. So as a freshman, um, I really had to fight for my position. It would have been very easy just to play the back seat and just kind of, you know, be a fly on the wall. But I recognized that if I wanted to have that attention or that notoriety, that I had to step out of my comfort zone and really put myself like in the line of fire. And that's just the way that I am today. There's many opportunities that I've had come across that had, had I not already had an experience of not being afraid to put myself out there, I probably wouldn't go out yes. there. Like, you know, in 2017, when I did go over to Uganda, it's a once in a lifetime experience, but I was a new mom. My son was just a couple months old. Um, and I was like, do I want to go across the globe to, you know, do this yeah. mission and be at home? But I knew that that was just going to be another step that I needed to take, you know, to have that influence around the world. And even before that, becoming a professional, having the confidence to advocate for myself having the confidence to talk to a coach and say, no, this is not how it's supposed to go. Or to an agent and say, you're not handling me right. I'm not having enough meat. You know, you have that to speak part. for your. And I think just being at LSU and being amongst such strong-willed women who will bite your head off, love on you, but, you know, we're only best friends after the track meets or after the practice. So that right. really just, you know, it made me be focused on my next steps. Well, some of those records that you set were in the four by 100. And so yes. that's a team sport. Yes. Um, so explain, explain to the audience, like, what is it? What I've always wondered, what do you say to each other in those races? It's like, you better run your leg or do you say, hey, we need you to come. You was weak the last time. You can't be weak today. Like, what do you say when? somebody else's preparation or lack thereof affects your your achievement what did you say to one to one another well number one we all have high expectations of ourselves so when we have like relay practice 
if you're not, if you're coming in too slow, if you're not loud enough, if you just seem, I would tell coach straight up, like, I don't think she wants to be here today, coach. And that was, <laughs> that was an energy that I had started. Are you when serious? I, it's, bad, it's bad to say, okay. So when I first started running track, my first experience with junior Olympics was um, on a relay team. I started the season pretty late. There was a coach that said, we need another leg for our relay. You know, we have a national caliber team. We were missing a leg. Okay. So I jumped on a team that was already nationally ranked, already had the potential to go on and do big things. So I couldn't come in and play around. So they were tough on me. Like I said, they had been running track together since they were six and seven years old. And here I am showing up at 12 or 13, super green, not knowing anything. I didn't have any wiggle room to be a fresh fish and mess up or make a mistake. And that kind of, that energy really transferred as the teams got bigger. Um, and what that really did for me, making my first USA team at 16 as a part of the four by one, I just built a reputation of being dependable with the relay. So, you know, she's going to handle the, the baton, you know, she's going to be about it. And I'm very verbal, like I'm very vocal. Hey, you, got, you need to get it together or even even noticing weaknesses within myself. I noticed um, my senior year, I had been um, anchoring the relay for the past two seasons and I had been very successful doing it. But I realized my senior year, like, you know, my closing speed is not what it was. I don't know what's going on. I had dealt with some injuries and I had to have like a come to Jesus moment with my coach and say, you know what, coach? I'm having an incredible season in the 60. Nobody can beat me from zero to 60 meters. I need to pop this relay off. I want to set the tone for my team so they know it's about to get real once I leave the blocks. So I wanted to set it off. And that year we won nationals in a fur by one. So wow. it, you know, take accountability. Being assertive. I love that. And just listening, I think it's powerful how you're narrating, how you use your voice. And how you were really born a leader and how you came in with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Like, you know what, even if I'm not where I need to be at the beginning, uh, it's just a matter of a time, matter of time that I'm going to um, I'm going to get it. And yeah. nobody around me is going to stop me from achieving the goals that I've set for myself. Absolutely. I think there is something extremely impactful the way that you're describing this. Uh, it it was a build skill. It was something that in, initially I had to fake it till I made it, but I, it started out very vain. And I know people talk about finding your why or finding like that rooted reason. For me in the beginning, I just wanted the tight uniforms. Like people who made teams, they had the different country uniforms or the different colorways. And I was like, okay, I don't want my standard issue uniform. I want one of those. And when I made my first USA team, it was just like being put into this like this brotherhood sisterhood this like fraternity sorority type mm -hmm. you know who recognize people who are on usa teams it's like, like a different notoriety that you get and that just kind of like fed me it was like okay what's the next team okay i made a junior team let's make a senior team okay i want to get a scholarship okay i want to travel the world so it's just kind of like feeding it so it's like starting off small and just letting it grow it, it really just like it's easy to be a leader when you start seeing a little bit of success and can talk yourself through those failures. So I think it just all kind of fed itself. Yeah, fed itself. So you won gold medals, you won silver medals. What was it like? It was what's the good. what's the feeling that you get 
when they put that gold medal around your neck at the Pan American Games, the Pan American Junior Games, like how does that feel? Because yeah. we wouldn't know. Nobody else would know that's tuning in. It's, it, it's such an incredible feeling. I feel like when you are, and maybe I might be you feel like it's just a part of the sporting event play the national anthem in the beginning everybody you know stands up and does it and then you know the game starts but when you are at a championship meet a world championship meet a pan and you are amongst the greatest in the world and you're at the top of that podium and they put the medal on your neck and your national anthem plays and they lift your flag to the top. Wow. It's a that even thinking about it now gives me goosebumps. You just feel this, this sense of accomplishment. You feel proud. You feel proud that you are a part of like that tradition of American greatness, especially in sports. Um, you start to think about the significance of being, you know, like a black girl or a black woman at the top of this podium and yeah. everybody the focus is on me in this moment or on, on us or our team in this moment. And then you think about just like that sense of just accomplishment. You know, you came here to challenge the world in this race or in this event and you conquered. Even when, you know, you have to hear someone else's national anthem, just being there and being on the stage is just something that's just incredible. And you and you really describe that incredible feeling. And I really want you to transition this into that moment of, yeah, you had these great achievements. You, you've stood where the American flag is being raised in front of thousands of people. You have this, I mean, gosh, you, you ran for LSU. Uh, again, the All-Americans and all these awards. And how did it end for you? Well, it's... um. In 2016, well, excuse me, 2015, I had made the decision that I was like, okay, you're getting a little older. I was about 27 at the time. And I recognized like, okay, you don't have a whole lot of more seasons to run. And so I made the decision to switch coaches, which, you know, I had to relocate and go through all of those resource findings. And I had a coach that was, was like incredible. And then throughout the course of training and, you know, all the things, I realized that, you know, I wasn't really feeling my best. I wasn't sure what was going on. And I realized that I had a little baby on board. Oh. <laughs> so, and, um, you know. So you were feeling then, a little bit like, I think I'm coming to an end before you yes. found that out? Or was that more found that out like, oh, no, it's over? Which one happened? No. First. It was. I was um, totally confident in my ability to make that year's Olympics team that was going to go to Rio. Oh. Totally confident in my ability that I was going to be able to run at least for the next five seasons at a higher level. I just knew before I relocated to the new camp that I had to make a camp change. I had to make some training changes, some lifestyle changes in order to make that happen. Um, and even after I learned that I had a baby on board, I still didn't have that feeling like, oh, it's over, right? I'm still mm -hmm. trying to, yeah. like, I still competed in a few meets. I still was trying to figure it out. But there was really no support 
for um, mothers in sport at that time. Um, I know athletes like Allison Felix, who's the most decorated track and field athletes, she herself had struggles with transitioning, being a mother and continuing in sport. And she had, you know, a whole initiative to speak to mothers. Uh, when I announced it to my coach, what was going on? He was like, okay, well, you never run track again. And that was that. And I, I never ran track again. So I really went through an incredibly difficult transition out of sport because in my mind, I just made this incredible uh, sacrifice to move. I was training in LA for a number of years and relocated to Las Vegas to train. And I really felt like the next five years is going to be my peak performance years. Like, and even with mm. stepping away to have a child, there were some athletes who had come back from sport, but they also had support of coach, support of camp, and you know all the things. So I just had to hang it up and just be a mom. Yeah, and I'm so glad you broke it down because you know these are things that men they don't they don't necessarily they don't have to deal with. Um, and as we know, there are a lot of men that are out here that have one child, two or three children, and they just continue going on like it's nothing, <laughs> you know, right. it doesn't affect them. But when right. it comes down to women, you've got to be able to balance the two and you've right. got to be extra careful. And even if, you know, you, what if you, there are professional athletes who, you know, they actually choose. They say, I know I'm in the middle of my sport, but I want to have a baby. I'm married. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to do that. And um, we've seen story after story, example after example, where it is frowned upon or there was pressure in some type of way to continue to compete or, or like, like you just said, they just give up on you. So I really appreciate you adding um, some very important information and context uh, to that point. Absolutely. And it, it took me a long time after um, I stepped away from track. Uh, that year was the Olympic year. I barely wanted to watch the games. I didn't even, you couldn't say the word track. I didn't know what track was. It was like, you know, back, back in my mind. And then I recognized and I realized um You're freezing up a bit. I don't know if you can hear me, but there you are. What'd you say? You froze up. But I, I just want to go ahead and, and, and mention um, the fact that, uh, I again, I really appreciate you speaking uh, to the point that um, there's a, you know, there there's a struggle in that transition. And in your case, uh, you know, you became a mom and then happened to square that up. So, uh, you know, I think uh, Kenyon is having some technical difficulties but listen i want to say that 
the whole goal and the purpose of Hush No More is to bring light to situations that we don't really necessarily think about. You know, we see these young women and they're performing and it's just like, you know, there she is. They should be able to have both a personal life, career, be a mother, be a wife. Like, why not? Um, but many times it becomes a choice and many times it becomes the end. And so, uh, Kenyana, with your phone, when uh, things were freezing a bit on us, uh, if you want to wrap up that last point. Yeah. So honestly, at, at that point, there was really no support to be had. And it took me having the chance to reflect on everything that I had accomplished and realize things are changing now. There are so many successful mothers who are athletes and they are or they are still dominant, like Shelly Ann Frazier, who is a Jamaican sprinter, who they call her Mommy Rocket. And it's just about how you frame the next chapter of your life to include your family and recognizing the type of support that women need in sports or parents need in sports and not just writing people off because, you know, they're not doing exactly what you want and how, how you want them to do it. Just recognizing that if I give this person the same love and support that they need in this new transition of life, they can just, they can be just this is successful. So I hope that so the, moms so, or women don't think that they have to walk away. So you had a boy. Yes. And you eventually had two boys. Do you yes, ever so just to. look at him and think, boy? <laughs> what do you think? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you? But I'm curious. Do sometimes you look at him and say, Man, I gave up a lot to get you. Or do you look at him like, you know what? I do it all over again. What I what, do what do you think? Over. I let me tell you, my son, my oldest, he's seven now, and he is incredible. I mean, this kid is so smart. Everyone thinks their kid is super smart, but this kid is smart, he's vibrant, he's sweet, he's He's just everything. And honestly, he's my greatest accomplishment. I wow. think that for me, um, I introduced him to track. I mean, of course, we, we're a sports family. My husband was a, a track and field athlete as well. So we're a sports family. But last year was my son's first year actually participating in track and field. And as soon as he stepped on the track, he was just like, Phew. I mean, he is speaking. Wow. And he has... um my coach who I started running track with, that's the team that I took him to. He was like, uh, when he was giving him his trophy at the end of the year, because he had won the state meet, he was like, he has a big mouth, just like his mom. And then gave my son his trophy. <laughs> so, um, you know, all of those things about working hard, you know, celebrating, supporting your teammates, just, you know, all of that I pour into my kids and, my oldest son, he is just incredible. And then I have um, my youngest son is five and he hasn't done sports, uh, you know, organized sports yet, but he is just as fiery, just as strong. So I'm just excited to see the next 
generation of athletes and just how can I pour into my children to provide them the resources that I didn't have and the love and the extra support that maybe I felt like I missed out on, but then also allowing them to be themselves because they are both, both very opinionated, strong boys. <laughs> they get it from their mama. We already know where they get it from. Yeah. They get it from their mama. <laughs> we do. Maybe a little too much, but... It's all good. It, you you've taught them strength at a very early age, and I just love to your point. Basically, you said no regrets, and that matters to me um, because I've spoken on my past uh, where I had struggles and difficulties, and went through depression and all type of things that I personally went through. And although those things, uh, you look back and you say, wow, I can't believe that I uh, looked at life in such a dark way. Or man, what would have happened if I would have stayed at Purdue? Or what would have happened if uh, I would have just controlled you know, my eating better than I did or, or, or read more about working out and, and, and educating myself more? What would have happened? But let me tell you, that word really resonates with, with me, you know, that you have no regrets because in all of it, you know, it's made me better. It's, yeah. it's, it's given me a voice to teach someone else what not to do and in mm -hmm. some ways what to do. And yeah. so uh, we learn from the roads that we've traveled um, and uh, you know, it's all um, for the good. Yeah, it is. And it really takes a lot of confidence and a lot of strength to get to that conclusion. Because I know no matter what, when you when you walk out of the court, leave the track and make that transition, there is a certain level of grieving that happens for that lifestyle that you once had. Whether you know you lose it from an injury or a lack of opportunity or motherhood or whatever the circumstances are there is a transition that happens that really is not spoken about enough. And that's why I really appreciate this platform that you have because we're able to shine a light on those hard conversations that people have when they're by themselves. You know, all of your, your whole life is wrapped around your performance, what you're able to accomplish going out there and doing something that's outside of yourself for a greater purpose and when you have that moment of transition, it can be very, very tough. And it sometimes it takes a minute to make peace with the could have beens and should have beens and would have been. Yeah. It, yeah. it takes, you know, real. And when you were going through that difficulty, uh, did you speak on it? Did you talk to others and say, "Hey, I'm hurting"? At, at the time, not really. I like I said, it really took me maybe six or seven months of just absolutely not speaking about sport at all. And I had um, relocated. I was in Vegas when I was training. And then I came back to Arizona. I had to go back to my mom's house. I was like, mom, I need, mm -hmm. to, I need to go back to home base. Like I need to really like just get myself together. Yes. And um, it took, it took a while of just trying to figure it out by myself and not understanding, you know, why am I struggling so bad with this transition? Like, is, is all hope lost? Can I return? You know, can I put the ducks in line for the hundredth time? Can I advocate for myself? Can I find those resources and kind of like pulling my hair out, trying to figure out how I can keep my sports dream alive? 
But then now I have this baby and it's like, okay, can I bring him to the track with me? Can I bring him to the weight room? You know, so like all of those, um, you know, those arrangements you can't really do with a baby. Um, And so it, it really took me, like I said, the opportunity to go over to Uganda and that whole process of preparing the camp and preparing the the literature for the girls about empowerment and self-confidence and believing in yourself and using sports as a vehicle for your personal success and your personal advancement and just being able to step back and look at how I could, you know, encourage other people and inspire other people. It really made me realize like every loss or everything I didn't see to the very end, that was a lesson in that. And how can I communicate it to other people? How can I share my story with other people? And that was the best way that I made peace with whatever it is I felt like I, I still had. I love that. And so you made peace with it. Yeah. So what about your husband? Yeah, you said you husband. two track and field. You met, yeah. you, did you meet at your we university? So we, you no, we, didn't, we didn't meet in university. So when I moved to Las Vegas, um, you know, there was already an established training camp there and my husband was a part of that camp. Uh, he was training for the Olympics as well, um, for the Belizean team. And so my coach was like, after a couple of weeks of me training, he like, that boy likes you stay away from him. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, but obviously there was, there was something more there. Um, and his transition out of sport, you know, was similar in the effect that you know we had our son he relocated to phoenix as well and just kind of went into like caregiver mode or caretaker mode and sometimes i wonder you know how his transition went he's not very verbal i think you know women we like to talk about our feelings and what's going on um but just always trying to make it like a safe space for him to be expressive and you know tell me how you're feeling and you know how your transition is going so that's still a little bit of a work in progress, but I mean, he's 100% transitioned into fatherhood. He's an incredible husband. He's an awesome dad. I mean, we, we really have a great family family unit now. So he loves training the boys when they have a chance to go to the park. So, I mean, he's been okay. All right. So now I want to see this third clip. And then I want to hear about what's next for you. Okay. So I want you to think of, be, be thinking about that while we go to this next, this last clip. Okay. Four by 100 meter relay. Texas A&M 2009. They set the collegiate mark in Fayetteville and Texas A&M, the collegiate leader this year. We start off with LSU running out of lane five. LSU, I think, as... Kenyana Wilson. Yeah. Duncan has terrific closing speed. And right next to LSU, Carol, it will be Texas A&M operating out of lane six. Leading off with Gabby Mayo, who fell in the hurdles here, but they have their... So what are you thinking in this moment? Second leg, the longest With the baton in your shirt. Everybody's waiting. I felt like in this moment, I need to get it started. This is the first race of the day, first race of our national campaign. I just knew that the moment I left the block, it was going to be on. I definitely think these two teams, LSU and Texas A&M, want to get off to a good start, set a good tone for the day. So either one of them winning this race. There they go. They say you got to set a good tone. Later on. 
Kenyana mm -hmm. Wilson leading things off for LSU. Gabby Mayo, very talented sprinter, starting it off for Texas A&M. The number three and number four fastest four by 100 meter teams in the world this year, LSU and Texas A&M. Look at you go. Doing a great job oh, for Texas A&M getting them off quickly. Now, can Jenna Matarbo open the race up for a that has handed that baton off. I knew we had one. He said, Get it out quickly. She passes the baton. It is You guys are a little bit behind right there on that second leg. Our third leg was a quarter miler, so she really stepped it up on the end part of that race. But this Kimberly Duncan, wow. legendary. This right here, legendary. cruising in for the win. Texas A&M just behind. 42-64 is your championship time. That is the second fastest time in the world for a woman's four by 100 meters. America has great, great female and male sprinters. Well, we always knew that the race was going to come out of lane five. All right. Woo! Man. I got chills, seriously, watching that. Like, first of all, man, you know, just the atmosphere. Yes. The glory. The teamwork, uh, the dedication, the discipline, yeah. um, but the triumph, you know, and man, you know what it's like to set yeah. set a record on that track on on the field. Yeah. Just you do you yeah. ever look at moments like this, Kenyana, and say, I am legend. Sometimes. When I when I retell the stories or I share, I don't really talk about my personal accomplishments a lot. Thank goodness for things like YouTube. You know, you're able to like my son to Google, so you're like, Mom, I googled you. Um, then when you just think about, all you try to like balance it out. You, you, I had a hard time really appreciating my career capsule, but it really is when I have a chance to share my experiences and pull up a clip. And just kind of relive those moments is when I really feel like, okay, when you look into the history books and you look into those LSU greats, those national champions, the fabric that makes being an LSU Tiger, and you look into that greatness, that lineage, my name will be there. You know, so it'll be there. It will be there. So yes. And my son's name, it's funny, my um my oldest son, his middle name is Legend, and my baby, what? his middle name is Legend. So yes, I they are they are it. <laughs> you can't make it up. That was not rehearsed. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was not. It was not. So you're gonna put that legacy between you and your husband, and it's already been birthed into your boys, not only in spirit, but in name. And so yes. we're gonna end today um with you. Just saying, uh, what about faith? Where are you with faith? And where are you with faith? And what is left for Kenyana to be fulfilled? Well, my faith is very strong. I learned that once you really get out of the way, you know, there's, there's a, um, 
I wish I could remember the verse, but there is a verse in Habakkuk where it says like, write your vision, like on a tablet, write it plain and just really giving it to God, you know? So really getting out of your own way and just having that faith that things will happen for you. And if it doesn't happen for you, it wasn't for you. And what's for you, can no one take from you? And just being confident and moving that, you know, I've had so many opportunities and and, and just incredibly life-changing experiences over the past year and just really getting out of my own way and allowing, you know, God to be the lead of my life has really taken a lot of pressure off of me to figure everything out. It's like, Lord, yeah. this is what I need. And if, and if it's for you to give it to me, or if it's for me to have, I know that you'll, you'll give it to me. So um, just really leaning Absolutely. on every time. So what's next for me is just like continuing to seek God first and whatever he has for me, however he would like to lead me and my family, my sons, let that be so. And then just kind of being present. Um, and that really goes into my faith as well. I spent a lot of years trying to figure everything out, every single step, every single thing, but just saying, okay, let it be known, speak it, write it down, figure out your plan, give it to God, and then things will be things will be great. Mm. So I hope in the next few months that I'm able to travel more with my boys. My sons love geography. So I want to, you know, take them to see the pyramids. I want to just take them around the world and just give them those core memories that, you know, I didn't have growing up. It's and something this, to dream for. It is. And it's always yeah. there, you know, so just growing in my career, you know, hopefully get back into coaching in a few years, but, but I really want to just have the fullest experiences for my sons. That's really what drives me. Well, Kenyatta, I mean, I mean, it's like you have a personality that honestly, you know, I could just, me and you could just keep talking. <laughs> we could just chop it up and okay. chop it up and just keep going because uh, your story is fascinating. Um, the things that you have achieved is, again, legendary. Um, but you are, if I had one word to describe who you are, um, you're just a woman of class. And, and everywhere you go, people know that you're going to go hard. You're going to do your job. You're going to be at your best. Um, and you treat people right. And so uh, I appreciate having you on. Thank you for having uh, me. I thank you for your inspiration. And I'm certain that the best of you is still to come. I receive it. <laughs> I send it up to Amen. Thank you for having me. This is an incredible opportunity. And I just pray for future success for everything you have going on. You know, you're the bomb. <laughs> well, I'm all right. <laughs> but I'll accept that as well. <laughs> hey, we got, hey, we, I just keep trying to become uh, the better, you know, just we got to keep growing. And I know that there that God has a plan for me. And I know that people like you and people like me and people like Serena, um, they see our glory, but they never heard our story. Yeah. And so I know that it is um, in my hand to bring it to others who may not ever get a chance to see the full picture. So thank you for giving everyone the full picture. And uh, you go, girl. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in today. Thank <laughs> you.